Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life and that you'd minister to my heart. Lord, share your word with me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing with the mark of a true Christian. And this week the message is entitled, Love and Mercy. Now I want to remind you of Romans chapter 12 verse 9, which we looked at last week, which said, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So what you need to understand is that unless you have a strategic focus on it, the environment that you're in will not be an environment that has love. Okay, an environment of love only comes through strategic focus, which means you think about it and you have a strategy. Now in the NLT, Romans 12 verse 9 says this, Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. So what does it need for an environment of love? You've got to not just pretend to love others, you've got to really love them. What does it mean to really love others? You hate what is wrong. What does it mean to really love others? You hold tightly to what, it, to, to what is good. And also what it means is that we love with the work of our hands. And we can only love properly with the work of our hands when God fills our hearts with His love. And God fills our hearts when we taste and see that He's good. As we saw in Psalm 34 verse 8. And so, for, for, for us as believers, a close relationship with God is absolutely and utterly imperative. There's nothing more important for us. And also, we need to be in a position whereby we're living by faith. In Philippians 4 verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So I want you to think about how important your hands are, you, are to you. We spoke last week about your hands and just how many things there are that you cannot do without your hands. Most of the things that you do, you do them with your hands. And how many things have you done with your hands that are not good? Now Jesus shed blood from his hands when they put the nails through his hands. And when his blood flowed, we can apply that blood to our hands and it transforms our unproductive, evil things that we've done into things that are blessed by Jesus, into the gifts of the Spirit, into being able to lay hands on people and see them being healed. We challenged you last week to be in the place whereby you pray for people. Every time people are sick, you should be laying hands on them and praying for them. And believing by the power of God 
that they will be healed. But now we want to take this thing of love and we want to take it a step further. What does love mean? And that's why today's message is part one. It's love and mercy. Now, I want you to listen to what Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continually steadfast, uh, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. So be kindly affectionate to one another. That is an attitude. An attitude towards people around us. Now, just remember, in everything that we're going to talk about now, it starts with your heart being filled with the love of God. It starts with your heart being filled with the presence of God. It starts with your relationship with God. But it also then requires a strategic focus, as we said last week. Be kindly affectionate to one another. You cannot be kindly affectionate by accident. By accident, you're going to be selfish. If you're just going to go with the flow, you're going to be selfish. And then it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Now, brotherly love means that um, you love someone, you want the best for them, and you're not just in a relationship with them for what you can get out of it yourself. And then it goes on and it says, in honor, giving preference to one another. Giving preference to one another means I put other people's needs first. I put other people's things ahead of mine. I'm prepared to step back and let them step forward. Not lagging in diligence. All right, there's a whole sermon series you can do on that one. Being diligent means you're not just sitting and waiting. You're not just waiting for things to, to happen. Diligence means you're on the front foot. You're making things happen. And then it goes on, it says, serving, so, sorry, fervent in spirit. Fervent means there's a fire inside of you. There's a fire pushing you towards people to, to, to love them, to do what you need to do with them. And then serving the Lord. So I am not my Lord. I'm not serving myself. If I'm serving myself, then I am my Lord. Now I'm serving the Lord and I'm rejoicing in hope. I'm rejoicing in the fact that one day, when it's my funeral, I'll be in a better place. I'll be in a better place because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be in, the pla in, the, in that better place which is promised in the Bible. And so I'm rejoicing all the time no matter what's going on. And because of this joy and hope that is going on, it leads on to the next statement which says, patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. So when trials come, there's patience. And patience, I remember the one time Pastor Bird saying, patience is when you're under pressure. 
and you're still able to do the right thing. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. In other words, when, when you're facing the tribulation, the first place you go to is on your knees in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Making sure that the people in church around us are provided for and then also given to hospitality. Hospitable means that people are welcome. Now when you sit down and you have a look at that definition there of love, love is something that requires work. And it takes us not being lagging in diligence. Love is something we have to be diligent to do. We have to be diligent in what we say. We have to be diligent in what we do. We have to be diligent in terms of making sure that our attitude towards them is right. It takes work. And a few weeks ago, I read the active church story. For the active church story to take a hold, it requires a church that is fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, and is given to loving people, but really loving them. And loving them means I'm not in it for myself. Now, the, N the NLT puts it this way, and I want you to just listen to this. Love each other with genuine affection. In other words, not fake. And take delight in honoring each other. Even if they got the promotion we never got. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. The church that changes the nation works enthusiastically for the Lord. We rejoice in the hope of heaven. When trouble comes, we're patient. We keep on praying. And we're ready to help those in need. And our door is always open for people. Whenever I do a wedding... The couple comes, and they're always the perfect couple. They're always the best couple. They're always the couple that is going to set a new benchmark for being a couple that is married. They're always the best. They have the best traditions. They have the best secret language. They are the example for everyone else to follow. And then in the wedding... I'll talk about it if, if they come for counseling before the wedding as well. I read these verses about what love is. You know, when they say to each other, I love you, what does that mean? And I'll tell you, this is what God says it means. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 6, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. That's very popular with us when it's someone else's attitude towards us. But what I tend to find is that's very unpopular with us when it talks about our attitude towards someone else. Now I want you to realize that the Bible says that God is love. So what is that saying? God is patient and kind. Imagine if he wasn't patient and kind with you. 
God is not jealous. He's not jealous of you. You know, when, when, when Benice was talking about tithing, some of you act like God is jealous. You know, he's jealous of your money. He's not jealous. All right? He is not boastful. Now, boastful means when you're making claims about yourself that are big claims and they cannot be backed up. If God boasts, he's probably selling himself short. All right? Or proud. Or rude. God is not rude. Maybe one or two people think he's rude that are sitting here, but he's not rude. Sometimes people say, I always tell the truth. No, no, you're just being rude. And then it says, so love is not irritable, which means God's not irritated with you. He sent his son to die for you. If his son died for you and bled every drop of his blood for you, God is most certainly not going to be irritated with you. In fact, Jesus died because you get irritated. And you need to be saved because you get irritated. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Do you know that every sin we commit, we've done against God? Yet God keeps no record of the fact that he, we wronged Him. If we give our eyes to Jesus, obviously if we reject Jesus, then we've got issues. Because then we're saying, I don't need Jesus. I'm standing before God on my own two feet. By my own efforts. But if I receive Jesus... The devil comes and accuses us and God says, I do not know what you're talking about. And he does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. How often do we rejoice about the truth winning out if the truth costs us? So an important fact about love, it keeps no record of wrongs. And that's challenging, isn't it? And so the thing you need to realize not keeping a record of wrongs is also known as mercy. There is no love without mercy. If you claim to love someone, if there's no mercy inside of you, there's no love inside of you. Matthew 5 verse 7, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I want you to think about what we need, what we desperately need from God in order to be saved. What we desperately need from God, what we desperately need for our redemption from sin is the mercy of God. There's times when we, we say the prayer of humble access and we talk about the fact that before when we're having communion, we're coming humbly before the Lord. And that we depend on His mercy and not in any goodness of, of our own. And, and then I talk about, imagine if God's mercy was like my mercy or your mercy. We'd all be finished. Not one of us would have a chance. And here's the other thing about mercy, it's for the guilty. Mercy is for the guilty and as sinners we receive God's mercy. And then God says... I require you to follow my example and show mercy to others. God does require that of us. God requires us to be with others like he is with us. And we need to realize this. We are not just guilty of sin. 
but we're also not capable of, of, of accomplishing the plan that God has for our lives. It is impossible for us to do what God has planned for our lives. It is impossible for us to fulfill our destiny. And the reason that it's impossible is because we always default to self. We always default to me. We always default to I. But in the midst of all our selfishness, all our self, all our me, all our I, in the midst of all of that, God comes along and He forgives us. And then not only does He forgive us, He helps us to do His will. The thing about your life is when you're doing the will of God, He will help you. I want you to think about that word mercy. I want you to think about the meaning of the word mercy. If you read the Bible and you look at the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus was characterized by mercy. Now, even in the religious community of Jesus' day, the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, they showed no mercy. They gave, they gave no mercy to other people. They thought they were all holy. They thought that their clothes were all nice and white. They thought that they were the best and they showed no mercy. They were proud. They were self-righteous. They were judgmental. Showing mercy was not a quality that they considered one worth having at all. They did not see it as important to be someone who shows mercy. It was the same in the category of love. What they said, love those who love you. So only love those who love you. So love was reserved for those who love back. You love those who love you, and you show those mercy who show mercy to you. In Matthew 5, 43 to 47, Jesus says this. You have heard that, now, now listen to Jesus' attitude. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Hey, what do we say? Ah, they are my enemy. Let them come. Let me find them in an alleyway. Have you heard Christians, how they speak? And sometimes even we preach sermons. Your enemies. God is watching them. He's about to destroy them. We even preach sermons like it. We spiritualize this. But Jesus said, love your enemies. He never said anything about other people who your enemies being destroyed. Do you know that before you're saved, you're no less of an enemy to God than what your biggest enemy is. Think about the person you hate the most. And for some of you, the person you hate the most is the Queen of England who just died. I've been watching on Twitter. I've been watching. A whole lot of tweets saying the Queen of England is our biggest enemy. And I'm, I'm just thinking, but who, who, it's the Queen of England who stole all our stuff. Like everything, every problem is the Queen of England. It's still her fault, even though she's passed away now. It's all her fault. Well, do you know that you, you are just as much an enemy of God as the Queen of England? I mean, we, 
we've got politicians, you know what I mean? They were elected into office. They got all the power of the South African state. I mean, they, they, they got nothing to do with our problems. It's all the Queen of England. It's all her fault. Well, God says love her. Love the Queen of England. All right? So next time you want to hashtag the Queen, reference Matthew 5. Bless those who curse you. They cursed me. I can't believe they cursed Bless them. So when they curse you, you bless them. Do good to those who hate you. <laughs> They're such a racist. I mean, everyone says everyone else is racist. To the whites, the blacks are racist. The blacks, the whites are racist. The coloreds, everyone's racist. The Indians. <laughs> yeah, well, they hate you. Bless them. All right? Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and, and persecute you. So someone uses you and they persecute you, you pray for them. That's what Jesus said. And then it goes on and it says, that you may be sons of your father. So you must do this so that you can be a child of God. So Jesus says to do that is the requirement for you to be called the child of God. The NLT says it this way. You will be acting as true children when you do this. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain to the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors, that, and the tax collectors are the corrupt. Ta the tax collectors right now, if I also I look at Twitter... Find out who people hate. So Ramaphosa. Because everyone says he's corrupt. You know, Pala Pala? Dollars in the couch, you know, all of that stuff. So now everyone's talking about him. Do not even tax collectors do that. Does not even So Ramaphosa love those who love him. So if you love those who love you, <laughs> well, doesn't So Ramaphosa, because that's who you're thinking of, isn't it? When you think tax collector, you're thinking Cyril. Or maybe Julius. Or maybe John Steenhuisen. Or maybe the whites. Or maybe the blacks. Or I, I don't know who. But you're thinking of someone. Do they not even love the person that loves? Don't the Satanists even love the person that loves them? They love Satan. So I'm not 100% sure about that one because he hates them. But some, anyway, I'm not sure about that one. And then it says... And if you greet your brethren only, what do you have more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so. So in other words, he's saying what you're doing, the worst of the worst, even Hitler did it. Even Hitler did it. So, and now you think you're special. You're walking with your Bible, you're so special. You know, you're giving the royal wave because you are kingdom royalty. And everyone that messes with you is going to be destroyed. And if people don't recognize your royalty, you, you curse them.
as people, we can so easily become religious and hypocritical. We can so easily be just like these Pharisees. You just need to go to Twitter. And I know some, sometimes you agree with the oaks, and it rises up inside of you. And other times you disagree with the oaks, and that rises up inside of you. But we can just as easily be like this. And then we, we interpret this beatitude in a selfish and a humanistic way. You know, this is part of the beatitudes. And so now this thing about showing mercy, we think of it this way. I will show mercy so that others can be merciful to me. That's such a Christian attitude. Listen, if you want mercy, you better show mercy. Eh? Okay, I want mercy. I better show mercy. But I want you even to think about that now. Because what happens when I give them mercy because I want mercy and now they don't give mercy? I've done something wrong. I showed them mercy. Now they don't show me mercy. What happens? I get offended. How dare you not show mercy to me? Do you not know how merciful I am to you? Do you not know how much mercy I've shown you? Do you not know that I've laid down my entire life for you? How dare you not show me mercy? Yeah, you say that often. You've heard yourself say that before. So you get offended. Because showing mercy is something you do because you're seeking for self. They're playing the music. So I'm going to have to end halfway through the sermon. And this was part one. So I guess it'll be more than two parts. I, w- I want you to think about mercy. And I want to just summarize this and say, that's not mercy. If I'm giving people mercy so I can get mercy, that's my only motivation. That's not the way God shows mercy. Mercy must be a hard thing. Mercy must be an attitude of the heart. Mercy is something that we give because we receive mercy from God. And we are so grateful for the fact that God has been merciful to us. That we cannot help all the time but show mercy to other people. I want to tell you when we don't show mercy... It's an arrogant, prideful attitude. When we judge other people and we have a hard heart towards them and we put up on Facebook to all the haters out there, look at me now. I know none of us have done that. You know what I'm saying? This is for the people out there. But the reality is, the reality is, who cares what they've done? I'll never forget the one time. A pastor who, on YouTube, if you watch him on YouTube, or if you watch other people speak about him on YouTube, this pastor is a Satanist. His name's Joel Osteen. Really, if you watch YouTube with this guy, he's the worst oak under the sun. This guy, he should be head of the church of Satan the way these guys speak about him. And I'll I'll tell you why I don't agree with that characteristic. Because many years ago, 
Gee, close to 20 years ago. Just when I found out who he was, I saw him on TBN. And then one day his wife preached. And I, 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 I was intrigued by this guy. And then one day his wife preached. And she was talking about mercy. And then she was talking about how he shows mercy. And she's talking about the one day she was like shouting at him. Don't you see what they're doing? Don't you see what they're doing? And he said, of course I do. What do you think? I'm stupid. God wants me to show mercy. And this was around the time we were starting the active church. And that woman, even though it was through the TV, she was preaching in Houston, Texas, on the other side of the world. It's like she hit me. It's like her fist came through that TV and hit me right there, poof, in the lounge that I was sitting in. He saw what they were doing. He saw it. But he showed them mercy anyway. So I don't agree with these guys that do these videos about Joel Osteen. I don't. I'm not saying he's perfect. But when someone shows mercy like that, that impacts me. Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. That, you know what, we, we've received mercy from God and therefore we give mercy continuously and unconditionally to others. Unconditionally means I have no conditions on showing you mercy. You know what Jesus says? When we have this attitude, then God shows even more mercy to us. If you're complaining that no one's showing you mercy, then maybe it's because you're giving mercy the world's way. And what we see that what Jesus is talking about here is not the world's way. The world is merciless. Merciless. The, the world has an attitude of self-centeredness. The world is self-absorbed. The world is preoccupied with self. The world is egotistical, full of ego. And the world is characterized into our community, our tribe, our group. And as a result of this, I hear people say all the time, listen, if you don't look after yourself, no one else will, eh? Yeah, you better look out for yourself because no one else will. So if you look at humanity, it's the norm not to show mercy. And the best example of this is Twitter and talk shows. And I often wonder, you know, if you're listening to talk shows on the radio and people are phoning in and giving their advice. <laughs> I often wonder what their lives are like. And I've thought about that when I've been tempted to phone myself. Gee, but now I'm on the phone and say, what about my life? And we should be thinking like that. <laughs> because what have you done that Jesus had to die for? 
what have I done that Jesus had to die for? If we're honest, there's a lot of stuff he had to die for for each one of us. There's a lot of stuff. And if you look at humanity, it's the norm not to show mercy, but please understand this. This is a selfish attitude and it's not the DNA of Jesus. It's not the DNA of Jesus. And what I'm telling you right now, what I'm telling you right now, that's not the model that God wants us to follow. I'll continue next week talking about the fact that Jesus showed mercy but wasn't shown mercy. That's our example. Jesus showed mercy, but he wasn't shown mercy. I also just want to say this. This is not saying that sin is okay. And I want to leave you with this challenge in terms of what we've been speaking about today. Often when we hear something like this and we hear what Jesus is teaching, you know what we think? We think about people who haven't shown us mercy. Yeah, preach it, Pastor. Preach it, Jesus. I should have been on that mount with you. This is so true. Preach it, these people that don't show mercy. The moment we say that, we're the people Jesus is talking about. Because Jesus is not talking to us in terms of how other people have or haven't shown us mercy. He's not talking to us in those moments where we feel sorry for ourselves. He's he's talking to us from a perspective, what have we done to show mercy to others? Because we can never repay God for what He's done for us through Jesus. We can't repay Him. We can't even come close. If God gave us what we deserved, we'd end up in hell. And I really want you to think about this here today. What has God done for you? Can you just close your eyes for a moment and just picture Jesus on the cross? What has He done for you? I really want you to think about what what He's done for you. My word. Think about all the lies you've told. Think about all the times you've stolen. Think about all the times you've given someone a compliment, but you had an ulterior motive. Think about times at work where you've been paid to work and you've done other stuff. Think about the time when you ask someone to do something for you for money which means you employed them and then you didn't pay them think about the times you may have lent money from people and haven't paid them back there's not one of us that can sit here innocent we all needed Jesus to die for us Jesus loved us so much he did it.